The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Welcome to Fofop with Will Anderson, um, uh, guest Charlies, guest Charlies, multiple guest Charlies on today's episode, uh, the hosts of the award-winning, I don't know if it won awards, but it should have won awards. I, I think the greatest ever Australian podcast documentary series, Finding Drago slash Drago, depending on your pronunciation and where you're from. <laughs> I'm talking, of course, of Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos. Hello, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be the guest Charlies. We can't believe it. This is a true honour for us. And uh, is it Clausen or Clausen? Because I swear I always try mm. to remember the correct way to pronounce it, and every time I, th- I say it wrong. Is it Clausen? So the correct way, the actual, the actual correct way is Clausen, okay. but he pronounces it Clausen. Right, okay. because he, it's a German name, and from what I understand, he's trying to hide his German identity um, because his family fled Germany and they they moved to South America. From <laughs> what I right. understand, whoa, whoa, I've, this is the first I've well, heard they of were, this. They, they were the yeah the Hitler Clausens, <laughs> yeah. they they. They dropped the Hitler yeah. and they changed the And you know what? <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. I think it's, I think they made a really good decision there. Yeah, it's otherwise it would be quite controversial if an actor in Australia was called Hitler. Charlie Hitler. <laughs> well, you know what the problem is? It's they've now made it one of those family names. A lot of people do that these yeah. days where they have both families' names incorporated in and instead your middle name becomes the other family name. Mm. So Charlie is Charlie Hitler Clausen. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. But he never brings up the Hitler bit. And yeah. if anyone ever brings it up to him, he says, no relation. <laughs> Absolutely no <laughs> relation. <laughs> He's adamant about it. He's just like, listen, let me tell you, it's a weirdo coincidence. It's one of those things. Wait a second, the Austria Hitlers or yeah, no, the no, no, Poland no, no. Hitlers? No, no, no. Actually, Caribbean, would oh, you believe well, it? Completely okay. different. The Creole Hitlers. Yeah. We're Cajun on this side of the family. Oh my god! Um, yeah, well, Cameron has been on before as a guest, Charlie. But mm. I, I did think about this today, Alexi, because you haven't previously been a guest, Charlie, mm. on the show. This is my and first time. It's nice time. to have you here. But I realise, I realise it's only it's the second time Cameron's been on, but. Both times he's been on with another person, which means that this is his first whole episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. congrats. I've been on with uh, the Justin Hamilton. Wow. In the past. Mm. And then someone else. Wow. <laughs> oh and now finally me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a pleasure to be on with, uh, with my better half right mm. now. Well, you know, I say that about you too. Well, can I say this? Like, uh, let's talk about your new podcast. Like, I don't normally, like, this isn't normally mm-hmm. like a plug podcast, but as I said in the introduction, 
Um, I loved your previous show so much. And I also love your other show, Total Reboot. It's hilariously great and interesting and entertaining. But so we're going to do a plug first and then we'll Thank just so like much. end up talking about nonsense afterwards. Wow. But so tell me firstly, for people who don't know Finding Drago slash Drago, depending on your pronunciation, um, what was that show? <laughs> yeah, we change it every single yeah. time. Uh, that show was a popular culture-based mystery investigation uh, delving into the weird and wacky world of author Todd Noy. And who's Todd Noy, Alexi? <laughs> Todd Noy was an author from Perth, Western Australia, who allegedly wrote... One of the great lost masterpieces of literature, Drago on Mountains We Stand. And what's that book about? It's a beautiful masterpiece about Ivan Drago, the villain for Rocky IV, mm -hmm. and his exploits after the events of that film. Okay, wow. What's so? Who? Why should I give a fuck about this writer and his weird shit book? <laughs> well, we got six episodes covering that shit, dude. But in a nutshell, let me tell you this: um, I love being interviewed by both of you and I feel like <laughs> Will's being very nice and for some reason you're interrogating me and I'm trying to offset it I don't know how <laughs> well I would say that I would you should care about this because um critically acclaimed for one okay <laughs> uh but I you know it's it was this weird story that I found online it was linked to like this Wikipedia article and there's all this assumed knowledge to it like that Todd Noy was like this great writer and so I was like, I've never heard of this thing. I tracked down the book. I didn't think the book was real. I found the book, got that book. And the about the author section talked about Todd Noy being like this kind of like barfly type, like a Bukowski, who was like the, so romanticized being like a sports writer from Perth, Western Australia. I'm like, oh my God, he's Australian. This is wild. And then it said that he passed away or disappeared, was presumed dead. And then I opened the book and it was signed by him. Mm. So we just like, we knew that there was a story there. We had to like find this person. And I felt this connection to Drago and Rocky my whole life. And I was like, this other person, someone else out there in the world cared enough about Ivan Drago the same way that I did. So we just had to, we had to find this our long lost brother out there in the world, basically. <laughs> like to remember, this is how much the world has changed. That... That not only is something that you consider is like an appropriate use of your time, but that it became a thing. Mm. Like a really, like mm. his, historians, documentarians used to have to actually like, you know, you just see like one documentary and it was about like <laughs> World War II and you'd be like, okay, I get this is a documentary. <laughs> but the idea. Yeah, there's one documentary every year chronicling what happened in that year. <laughs> so yeah, people think that if you took the iPhone back 70 years, it would amaze people, but it's actually the content on the iPhone <laughs> that would be much more foreign yeah. to them than the actual technology itself. Mm. God, I would love to show this to those Maisel brothers back in the 1960s. Oh, they'd freak they'd out. They'd freak out knowing what the documentary became, how we bastardized it. They'd be like, wait a second, there's a fucking 72 episode documentary about Mike Myers? What the fuck? I know, but that's the thing, Will, and I think it's like we all have these, we all have so much time in our hands mm. to sit around on the internet and ponder yeah. strange, obscure bits of pop culture so it's kind of impressive in a way that anyone spends money and time actually going further mm. than you, than your normal person would yeah. 
because I do this shit on my own anyway. I've yeah. always got six or seven <laughs> mysteries on the boil that I'm trying to solve. It's just this is the one that the ABC funded. Yeah. We pitched 48 different sequels to Finding Drago. We really did. <laughs> There were actually that is true. We did pitch a lot trying to find the right one. They're like, "Have you got a sequel idea?" And we're like, "Oh God, where do I start? What what am I obsessed with this week?" Mm. Uh, okay, there's a weird guy from Denmark that I want to look into. There's uh, <laughs> there's a guy from Sydney, Australia, who clearly wears a toupee and runs a bunch of cinemas, but he also wants to be an opera singer. <laughs> oh my lord! Him. I absolutely love that guy. By the way, that could very well be a podcast in our future. I adore that guy. Okay, so you you are doing a sequel. So look at this. I, I really feel mm-hmm. like I'm doing a proper interview at the moment. Like, so you guys. Wow, I'm, this I'm is unreal. So the critically acclaimed fi- Finding Drago has been followed up with a uh, much anticipated sequel. Uh, what what is that sequel, gentlemen? Could you talk to me about it? We well, can give you a little taste. Well, Will, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> mm, I love I love just hanging out with you, Will. By the way, <laughs> chit chatting like we normally would. <laughs> this is so much fun. <laughs> Oh god, it does. It's hard to. I also hate doing the big sell as well. It's so hard. You have to though. But, but that's the whole point. It. Is like you, you have to do it because like we're recording this for people at home nine thirty at night. I've got fucking gruen tomorrow. I have a proper job that <laughs> they pay me money for, and I'm meant to rock up to in some sort of like well. Pre- I'm essentially like a player before the AFL grand final. <laughs> just yeah. decided I'm just gonna go out with my mates until three o'clock in the morning. Whatever, I'll wing it tomorrow. Like, the reason we're doing this is that, you know, you have this show coming out and I was such a huge fan of the previous show and I want people to know that you have this new thing and Mm. get on board it. But I'm also interested in finding out about it. So, you know, tell us about what the new show is. Well, I hope people find it interesting. We found this bizarre man uh, who I I won't say his name because there are some spoilers if there are some sleuths out there that are Mm. digging it up, but... This bizarre man from Europe who holds two Guinness World Records. Um, one that he got in the 70s and then one that he got a little bit later in the 90s. And Alexi and I became a bit obsessed with him because we believe that he has faked both of them. And yeah. that he they are illegitimate, fraudulent Guinness World Records that he has done to get fame or acclaim. Because it is the highest honour, mm. as you'd know, Will. To be in the Guinness Book of Records, it's better. You know, than I've the known two. I've known two Guinness World Record holders, hmm. and you're in sitting right life. in front They've of them, both... both for world's cutest boy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they both held the same record. Do oh. you know who those people are? Oh, you sh- both know both of them. Oh, they in have person? to be. They have to be twins. <laughs> world's <laughs> most gorgeous twins, the Nelson twins. <laughs> The Stevenson experience? <laughs> Smart casual? Yeah. That's a deep cut. The Kransky sisters and one of them was not deep cute enough? <laughs> I know both of them. Who? Oh, hang on. I know yeah. who this is going to be. This is going to be Hamish and Andy for... Uh... No, oh, I bet they do. Mm. I bet Hamish and Andy do. Something. I, I'm, I'm just like... Without, they must have the world record in something. Like something. Of course, sure. and they probably wouldn't have to pay through the wires no. to get it. Oh, it's it's connected to the industry in which we earn our living. Okay, mm. world's most beautiful podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Oh, I, 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 I is it like no longest 
comedy performance. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Alexia. Okay. Okay. Yes. This the is, world uh, record for Limo. longest continue. Limo. Limo was the has world record, one of them. The Guinness World Record holder at one stage. Wow! Really? That's fucking crazy. That's yep. insane. And how long did Limo perform for? Only forty minutes. That's <laughs> insane. No, people 30. don't do it that long. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the first person to go it for a, it. It was a Guinness World Record for Limo because mm. he normally gets twenty minute sets, and <laughs> yeah. so for him it was a big. <laughs> <laughs> had to have a sandwich break in the middle. <laughs> go to the bathroom. <laughs> they said we're actually paying you for forty-five. I'm done. Forty. <laughs> how long? How long did he do? Uh, it was like thirty-five hours or something. That's like that. just Whoa, too long, isn't it? Like, who gives yeah. a shit? Wow, he had to have repeated bits. Come on, there's no Imagine way. Imagine how much shit crowd work. I'm watching um that comedy store documentary at the moment, the Showtime one mm. that's on stand. And they're going like, oh, you should have been here back in the day. Andrew Dice Clay used to do five-hour sets. Oh so I'm like, gosh. I can't even imagine watching fucking 50 minutes of Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> what is five hours going to be? That's it. So that's Limo. Yeah, Limo. I'm going to say, I want to try to find Guinness World Record for the most jokes told in an hour. Okay. Oh, hang on. So maybe, okay, so maybe it wasn't the same one. So I think Limo broke the Guinness mm-hmm. World Record for the most jokes told in an hour. How many jokes did Limo tell in an hour to break the Guinness World Record? I reckon like 700s. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not that's that many. And that's just you'll, a you'll, random you'll be, guess. You'll be disappointed. It wasn't anywhere near <laughs> 700. Do you reckon it's like 120? No, it's higher than that. It broke the previous record mm. by 50. I will say that. Whoa. I'm guessing like what two a minute is my guess. Or is it more than two a minute? Because you just said I 120 mean, and that was I just would, incorrect. I would, so I would, I, I got to be honest with you. I would hope at a regular gig you'd get two jokes away at a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, he did a special. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, 549 549 jokes he did and how many of them does he still do on stage to this day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then Lindsay Webb held the world record for longest stand up gig of course yes that's unbelievable and he beat like Dave Chappelle I think right yeah but just Dave Chappelle (laughs) wasn't going for the record he was just doing a drop in set (laughs) (laughs) he was just running the line Holy shit. I heard that Lindsay Webb did it in an MC spot. Is that true? Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Then brought on the next act. Before the headliner. (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievable. My God. Uh, And you know what? It costs so much money to get a Guinness World Record. It costs like... You said you were watching that. um, How much does it cost? Mm. It costs $1,000 to apply for a Guinness World Record. And that doesn't even guarantee you are going to get it. And yeah. then you have to pl- you have to pay ten thousand dollars to fly an adjudicator mm-hmm. to wherever you are in the world and put them up and give them a per diem and stuff. And still, <laughs> they can say no, you didn't get it, wow. and you've just spent eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. Plus, if you're an adjudicator, there is very different levels of adjudication that are required from that job, isn't there? Mm. Like, oh, like yeah. if you have to pop over to India to okay. find some how long some guy's fingernails are, that's just a kind of yeah. you pop in. You have a measure of the fingernails, you get back on a plane, everything's late. But sometimes you've got to watch 
you know, 35 hours of stand-up comedy in a row. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. How good would it be if we were trying to bust Lemo, <laughs> Lemo's record? This podcast was like, yeah, we don't think he did it. We don't think he did it. <laughs> this guy that we're friends with and just breaking his record open. Just go back, he find out how it. many of them were actual jokes. <laughs> yeah, the we most have to test them. Podcast. We test them out in clubs today. Do yeah. so they still hold up? If they don't get a laugh, then they technically don't count as a joke. And he's got 50 as filler to the previous record. So he's still got... That would be a very yeah. tense series as you went around and like one by one, the jokes got eliminated and he got close. He's oh still in front God. at this point. Um, oh. So uh, what I was going to say about that Comedy Store documentary, because I've been watching that as well. And mm. um, did, do you know Mikey Milios? Yeah, I know mm. Mikey. He was, uh, when yeah. I first started, he was around, yeah. So, have you got to the bit that he's in? <gasps> what? He's in it? I didn't know he was in it. He's in it. Yeah, they feature all the stars. Richard Pryor, you know, Dave Letterman, <laughs> Mikey Millios. That's the big three episode arc. No, there's this... They do, uh, a, 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 the, they do this thing about open mic night and how many people come to open mic night and how the process yeah. is and how everybody's hanging out outside to check the list. And when they put the list up, it's Mikey checking if he's on the list. I was like, ah, oh, there you go. Look wow! Fuck, really? That's wild. Yeah. I felt, by the way, that part in the in the show is the biggest stitch up for all those comedians that are in there, where they're like, every week we have open mic night. Anyone can come down and try it out. And you see like four or five open micers on stage. You see like bits mm. of their jokes, and then it cuts back to the club booker, and he's like, "They're all awful. Uh, most of oh. these people suck." <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And then it keeps cutting to open micers and then back to the booker up the back of the room, like shaking his head and stuff. And they're like in probably the most watched comedy concert. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's authentic. You've got to give him that. That's the real experience. I had no idea. That's amazing. Wow. I was the Greek to replace Mikey Milios in Sydney comedy. When he left, that's when I started. (laughs) And then... There was a handover, right? Yeah, there's a handover. He handed you a souvlaki. He handed me a souvlaki and I wrapped it in a pita bread and went on stage. Um, He gave me all these old bits and I'm only allowed to perform them in Sydney and it was great. (laughs) For several years, I didn't run out. Were you like a comedy fan, either of you? So for me, watching this like comedy store i used to live literally just down the road from there for like 10 years and Mm. like but i never played the store much Mm. i played it every now and again but it was during that dark time that they sort of reference in it before it sort of Mm. made a comeback mostly when i was there and it was pretty dingy horrible place to be but the history of it Mm. like watching that documentary series Mm. i am to me that is like my ultimate origin story. Like, you know, I always thought it was yeah, like dude. Batman, but it's not. It's just watching these old comics talk about <laughs> the old days at the comedy store. I love it. Big time. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's dessert for me, that show. I, I want it to last longer. Even all the bits where they go, this was the dark period. It was a six-year period where it was awful and no one mm. came and 
Dice would do five hour sets and Eddie Griffin would do six hour sets. I'm like, give me three episodes on that. Yes. I just want to watch that. It's awesome. I mean, and I um, just want to watch that five hour dice set too. I know, I mean, not every night, big time. but at least once. Can you imagine watching <laughs> yeah. Andrew Dice Clay for five fucking hours? Like, that would be <laughs> one of the most amazing. Yeah. They'd be like doing ayahuasca. And like, it'd be sit- just sitting in a dark room <laughs> watching his dark thoughts. <laughs> Oh, there'd be so many peaks and valleys, so many times where the character would disappear and the man would emerge. He would start doing no shit, I bet you, impressions at hour three. Just running through impressions big time. He'd start doing Travolta again. Yeah, he's going back to doing Jerry Lewis. (laughs) Have you guys heard his um, album that he put out at the peak of his fame? It's called The The Day the Laughter Died. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's amazing. It's recorded at Caroline's or something yeah. in New York or Dangerfields probably on New Year's Eve at, you know, like late in the evening. And there's no one there. And it's a double album mm. of him doing crowd work to like 14 people. Um, and it's awful. Like yeah. truly the most heinous crowd work you've ever heard in your life. Most of it is, is that your daughter? Oh, I'd love to fuck your daughter. Hey, uh, hey have you hey. ever fucked your daughter? <laughs> Come I mean, on, you gotta pork your daughter. I mean, you're making it I come mean, alive. It's a classic, and that's yeah, and that's four jokes in fifteen seconds. That's at that rate, that's yeah. eight a fucking minute, and you are on I'm a on world record. record. <laughs> We're gonna break it tonight, baby. Let's keep on going, camp. Keep doing your your dice impression. Keep asking us those hard hitting questions. I went to um, LA last year and went to watch at the Comedy Store mm. a couple of nights with Damien Power and um, we were there till like three or four in the morning each night and you do go on this yeah. full journey of being like man this starts so strong I'm watching people from TV then there's a dip for like two hours and you hit this point where you go man I'm going home fuck this yeah. and then someone comes on and just kills at two in the morning and it's like you're on drugs yeah. and we were on drugs but also it's <laughs> like you're on drugs because you just can't believe you're laughing at two in the morning at yeah. some at Harlan Williams or someone like that. It's the best. And, and it's like people and, that you grew up with and watching. It's mm. surreal, beyond surreal. And the idea that, like, I mean, again, like, it's. I'm sure it's like a lot of it ends in tragedy. That is spoilers for anyone watching oh, yeah. this documentary yeah. series. A lot of it ends in tragedy. But <laughs> the bit before the tragedy always seems really appealing. Like, real fun. Oh, the yeah. idea of just hanging out, like, taking drugs till four o'clock in the morning with Sam Kinison, you know is not a great idea. But at the same time, when you're watching it from the <laughs> comfort of your house, you're like, this seems fun. It's so funny. Yeah. In, the, in the last episode I watched, no spoilers or whatever, but they're talking about everyone that hung out there and it's like, there's a photo of Willie Nelson playing guitar in the green room with... Like Richard Pryor and Kinnison and Robin Williams and then Lady Diana just hanging out in the green room at the comedy store. And the host, Mike Binder, was like, it was the best night of my life. I can't believe it. I'm hanging out with Lady Diana. And then all of a sudden the music changes to this melancholy and you're like, oh, fuck, someone's going to die. Who is it? Who is it? Every episode, someone dies so far. Oh, yeah. It's definitely like Amy is less interested in the world of stand-up comedy. And she, Mm. like, watches it in between naps. So what she'll do is she'll, like, kind of lay on the couch and as I watch the show, she, you know, like, sometimes you like to sleep to a TV show? Like, she finds it quite soothing to sleep, but she just essentially wakes up, 
Like she sees the setup of what how someone was going to be the best in the world and then like dies, but she misses <laughs> them dying and she wakes up for the next person dying. So she's really missed nothing. <laughs> oh man i gotta tell you my one that i went through like an obsession with this show that has like those same peaks and valleys is that like i think it's the american like pensioners insurance agency did a series of youtube videos where it's don rickles like interviewing greater like the current day great comics but instead, it's them interviewing him. Like, so every time it's them asking the same questions, like, what was it like to know Sinatra? And he'll always go like, oh, well, me and Frank go way back. You know, there was one time where I was at a restaurant and, and I saw Frank was there and I was with a girl and I would go up to Frank and I'd say, can you come on over so I can impress the girl? And then Frank comes over and I'm like, Frank, would you leave me alone? And it's like the same anecdote every time. And it's already an anecdote <laughs> right. that every single person yeah. on, on earth on knows. Earth. Everyone knows that anecdote already. Like and literally as you launched time. into it, I was like, it ends with him going, hey, could you leave me alone? I'm having dinner with <laughs> my girl. This is anecdote. the most <laughs> yeah. famous anecdote in the history of anecdotes. Yeah. Right now, this anecdote is so overpowering, I can't even think yeah. of another anecdote. Exactly. It's the best one. It's the best I one. I tell it like it's me, but I say it was Will Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's amazing because it's like everyone, Sarah Silverman, Zach Galifianakis, Vince Vaughn, and then uh, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, two of my favorite comedians, by the way. <laughs> uh, but... Like at the end of each episode, like it's all happy. And at the end of each one, he's like, you know, God bless you. I hope you have a great future. Amy Poehler is the most famous person in the world. And then like, they're just like some new kid. And then each episode ends with somber music and announces that he died before production ended. And it just like has this glowing photo of him, like in memoriam, Don Rickles. And it's just like the most incredible roller coaster of an arc of a like three minute web show. So every episode you hear the same anecdote and yeah. Don Rickles dies. Yeah. <laughs> he dies at the end of every episode, like the early seasons of South Park. <laughs> oh my God, you killed Donnie. <laughs> I am fascinated by that era of comedy because oh, there, yeah. it was it was when they just kind of like what we do for a living as this pandemic has shown is completely unnecessary to society like we are the most inessential of fucking industries like and <laughs> It just reminded me that we have no right to actually exist. Like of all the fucking art forms in the world, it is the one that tries the least. Like the idea that we've just decided, you know that thing that everybody in the, in the world does, talk shit. I reckon I'm so good at talking shit. That's the show. Line up, people. Give me your money because I'm going to do what you do for free every day, but better than you do it, I reckon. Yeah, I'm going to tell Rickles' anecdote. That's what. That's the new thing. Everyone's going to do it now. I remember, um, you know, I've, I've never really gotten into Sam Kinison, but mm. all throughout this documentary, they're like, he was number one. He changed the game. Mm. He's the best. And then every time they show a clip of him, 
I'm always like, God, you fucking sucked. <laughs> Mate, it's not him, my cup of tea him, at him all. Him and Lenny Bruce are the two greatest yes. examples of people that you can find nobody to say anything about the fact that they were fucking geniuses, but there is no documentary mm. proof of that actually happening because oh, every yeah. bit of recorded yeah, you... material is terrible. It oh my stinks. God. Lenny Bruce fucking may as well be a poet if you ask me. Like, it doesn't... Not even, man. Like, he's just... I, I bought a bootleg Lenny Bruce stand-up mm. show. It's an hour of him reading through court documents oh, from when he was I've being heard sued. That. Oh, my Lord. It's funny horrible. stuff. Funny, oh, yeah, funny I stuff. I definitely own that. I God. own it as well. I, can't, I just couldn't even get through it. I got 10 if minutes that in. that counts and like, as stand-up, Limo, I'm going to fucking come gunning for your record, baby. <laughs> That's Limo. I'm going to go through some read, real stuff. Lenny Bruce's court documents. <laughs> 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 Man, yeah, I think it's... about that though with um with the Australian scene. Mm. I get obsessed with the history of Australian comedy. Any anytime anyone tells me anything from before my time yeah. in Australian comedy, even if it's just open mic level shit, like yeah. someone's like, "You should have been there." Glebe, two thousand and ten. Mm. Harold Park Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Mikey Robbins, Mikey Milios, the two Mikeys. <laughs> you would have frothed it, baby. I yeah, am I'm old enough now that old. I have some of those memories. Like you know, mm. like I remember there was this show called Elbow Grease that Jed Wood used to run in Melbourne, or when we all started out doing open mic. And I remember it was on a Sunday night, and it was like me and Husey and like tripod and uh, michelle laurie and joe stanley and wow. you know peter hallier and Kring grant and like yeah, american russo maybe like you know there was anyway it was a whole bunch of people who like what well, open micers all went on to have you know their own careers and stuff and we would just do this sunday night gig and then we would go to jed's place and we would sort of drink all night it was our very you know in a it fitzroy version of the comedy store <laughs> living wow yeah. but I do look back on that now and think, oh, I guess that was it. That was the moment where I didn't know it at the time. You don't realize it at the time. But like, but in my documentary, it would be me just like doing my little interview going, I just remember <laughs> the first time this young guy called Peter Halley came in. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this guy <laughs> called Stuart Diver on uh, on Threadbow and he had this joke and I can't even remember it was about Stuart Diver Threadbow Survivor and I, he had me man and then he talked about the fact that he walked into a fish and chip shop and he ordered accidentally ordered maximum chips anyway mate that joke doesn't travel because they don't have minimum <laughs> chips in every state but it was a fucking great joke <laughs> oh man that's it those are the halcyon days I am always obsessive um Flacco, because oh, yeah. I'm like, what was that? <laughs> I'm like, people, that was mainstream comedy. Like, Flacco was a guy, a bald guy. Uh, what's his name? Ron Livingston. Paul Livingston. And he's like this little Paul, Paul Livingston. Paul Livingston. Paul Livingston. Yeah. Ron Livingston's probably a porno star or something. <laughs> Ron Livingston's an actor. He's the guy from Office. Space. He is. He's the guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, to me, that's porno. <laughs> but it's like you know, like Flacco. That like he was this little bald guy who played an alien from outer space yeah. who drew a giant curl on his head and would do like soliloquies. And he's the biggest comedy star in the entire country. <laughs> 
I'm like, to me, that should be like the like the deepest underground that like, wow, you have to be a real freak to get into it. But then like my mom and grandma watching him and stuff. It's like my crazy. grandpa in the country is like, oh, Flacco, he's a hell of an act. Yeah, but like, what, what, you, I, love, what I love about he's Flacco... He's like a medieval scribe. He, like, firstly, yeah, he cut through the middle of Australia in a way that you could never imagine. But then when he was like, this is not weird enough, I should do a tour with the Sandman. The other weirdest... Oh. God. Character on Australian TV. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. People say that Cam and I are the new flat. <laughs> like Oliver Sandman. <laughs> I've heard it said many times. I mean, we did a dive the other night on, again, because we also have a podcast. Charlie and I did a dive mm. on Glyn Nicholas because Glyn Nicholas was like out of the big gig days, was almost like, apart from the Doug Anthony Orsales, the biggest star of that show. And he yeah. was like an Australian comedy superstar and then just kind of went away that that i would that mm. would be my podcast finding glenn i want to yeah. know what's going on with glenn <laughs> big time where's glenn been oh that's actually a better title where's glenn been where's instead <laughs> of finding glenn you know our friend uh, justin hamilton is a great storyteller mm. and and loves to continue the myth of australian uh folklore in the comedy world mm. he has told me so many stories about the early days with you and like partying and mm. doing gigs and stuff and every single time he tells a story i'm like on the edge of my seat yeah. he'll be like house party melbourne will anderson's there cam knight walks in he starts singing tenacious d everyone <laughs> in the party stops and listens <laughs> holy shit Whoa. tell, tell me, more. me more what happened next <laughs> i had i had one where i, I like remember i that used party. hammer Great as party. that <laughs> there's more to the story but i won't tell it on this podcast <laughs> that's hammer's story he's yeah, gonna be the yeah. one but i like i texted hammer once I texted Hammer once because I was watching the movie Cruising starring Al Pacino where he like plays like this undercover cop going into like gay leather bar scene to catch a serial killer and there's one scene in the movie where like the chief played by Paul Savino is like to Al Pacino it's like you got to get used to arresting these guys there's gonna be a lot of guys out there scared weird little guys I'm like hang on a second scared weird little guys I've really ever heard that sentence somewhere else before the Australian like comedy act I texted Hammer I'm watching Cruising and he's like yeah yeah I know that's where they get their name from like he cut me off before I even got to it because like yeah yeah that's true what you're about to ask me is the real thing that's where they got their name I mean, it'd be even better if in that movie they were just dropping in Australian comedy acts, though. Like, that would be even better. <laughs> you got to catch him. He's a tripod. He stands up <laughs> on the three legs. <laughs> I'm American, Rosso. Etc., <laughs> etc. Et <laughs> I'm sure that, I can't yeah, think, we can think of a few more, but you know, let's uh, move on. So, um, is there similar myth? What's the mythology amongst your generation of young people? Where's where's the if the mm. if they're making a documentary series about the Sydney comedy scene? Like, where where is it set? Do you know what I always think is mm. um, Fuck Club? Did you ever yes. do Fuck Club, Will? I did once. <laughs> Yeah, so that was kind of our version of that. It was mm. a gig, an alternative comedy gig run by Nick Sun, great comedian, and Ben Elwood, also a great comedian. And as you'd remember, Will, the premise of the gig is that you get up and do your gear, but Nick Sun and Ben are up the back of the room on a microphone and they can comment or ask questions or 
probe yeah. you during your set. And I think for about a year there, it was, I thought it was the most special place in the world. Absolutely. I was going, wow, I can't believe it. Like people are coming here and they're, they're like opening up and they're becoming artists. And then very quickly it went downhill into this disgusting parody of itself. I remember one night being at fuck club and everyone in the crowd started chanting at this guy to suck his own dick he was everyone was going suck your dick suck your dick and he went no guys come on i'm just trying to do some material and everyone's going suck your dick why are you doing an impression of me and he was like oh god all right fine and he got down on his he took his pants and underpants off and he laid on his back and flung his legs over his head Mm. And tried to suck his, oh, his flaccid Lord. dick, but couldn't. Oh. Like, he couldn't reach it. And everyone was just chanting, suck your dick, suck your dick. And I just remember looking around and thinking, this is the fall of Rome. Mm. Like, we've come too far. This is just, this is the end. We have yeah. to leave. And there was so much, like, wild experimental stuff. Like, the the boundary between audience and, like, performance was so, like, shattered. So there'd be times where, like audience members would like graduate to being performers and they'd go up there and fucking bomb so hard mm. or like they or they like in the spur of the moment something would happen when someone come on stage i mean there's like so many times where i saw something like that's never gonna leave my head either because it was like the best funniest thing i've ever seen like dave eastgate doing an entire show in Japanese and us just understanding what he's doing through like tone of voice and body language and also just knowing Dave Eastgate's bits and like that just like blowing my mind as like a first year comedian going like what is this place this is like phenomenal and then there'd be times where like a performance artist like Jane Grimley would do uh, like a, a prank or a hoax on the audience that would like leave you speechless like there was one time it was like when they came back and did a few like a short run of fuck clubs and it was like a valentine's day show cam knight was hosting and he was like uh, he was like we're gonna play the newlywed game are there any new couples out there and then this guy and girl come up and like oh it's actually our first date the guy seems very shy the girl seems like more like you know let's go for it i mean just already i want to know more about these people though because like it's your first date and you've gone to this show on valentine's day yeah and then they they like go okay you guys leave the room and we'll come back and uh you know you guys get to know each other someone's going to take you to a nice dinner in the restaurant and then you're going to come back and we're going to play the um, the the, the uh, newlywed game with you guys. When they leave the room, Cam Knight goes, okay, that woman is Jane Grimley. She is a performance artist here and she has found this guy on Tinder and she's brought him in and we're going to prank him. And we're like, oh, we're like, oh, this is so exciting. They come back in, they play the newlywed game. And it's like slowly like humiliating this guy. Oh like, my God. oh, this is so bad. And then like <laughs> they blindfold them and like you're meant to go. Then he's like, he's got to describe what she's wearing and describe her, like describe her eye color and stuff. And then she, while he's doing that, she like takes all her clothes off. And when they unleash his blindfold, she's like got written on her, you got fucked by fuck club. And the guy starts crying and everyone just like in the room just is like, oh my God, what have we done? We're like complicit in the oh worst thing that I've ever done. 
And then he gets up and rips his shirt off and says, you've been fucked by fuck club. And it was like a double prank of the audience to like make everyone, no one was in on it. Cam Knight wasn't in on it. No one was into like in on this thing. And it was like, just like this amazing thing. And then they did like a choreographed dance while naked. And it was like, I'm like, what is this? This is like, I went through like the entire gamut of emotions in like 20 minutes. Wow. I'm so glad I wasn't there. For I that. went I, I went through them all you telling that story. <laughs> That's fucking yeah. It was incredible. I was so tense. I was like, what's happened? I was like, I honestly thought for a second you were complicit in something like, you know, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. <laughs> like you know. we killed the guy because we all felt guilty and we didn't want anyone to find out about it. <laughs> and those are actually fairly tame things that happened at that show. Yeah, so there's so much more. worse stuff. Did, wow. you, did you have a crazy why does experience it, so there? What, what? You know what? I'm, I'm, I, in reflection, I don't think that I ever did it because, like, I, I can't match my memory with. I must have just been asked to do it and wasn't able to do it because my memory of what you're saying doesn't match with any memory that I have in my mind unless <laughs> I had such a traumatic experience that I had to erase <laughs> it from it. my memory. But I'd say that I haven't. I, I reckon I must have spoken to Ben about it and not been able to do it. So. I, I now wish that I had have I, because I, it sounds pretty exciting. You would have like, thrived. I mean, I can see why some. I could. See I would have. I think I would have enjoyed the experience. Yeah, so a lot of comics didn't. A lot of big name comics that came through really hated the experience. Mm. <laughs> but some, those who really got on board with it, it was like next level good. Yeah. I remember Tom Ballard really, yeah. really thriving there, and a few other people. Um, well, I like when things get a little fucked up, but also in a place where that's actually the point. That's why I love set lists that show yeah. so much is because it was just like, this is meant to be wild and crazy, hopefully, if it works well. So you almost have permission for that to be the case. Like sometimes if that just happens in a normal environment, if you just have one of those nights in your show where you're like, nah, this is not meant to happen here. I'd be fine with this if this was happening in some other place, but this is not appropriate behavior for this room. Mm. And I think another really special thing about it was like there was a continuity to it. Like it felt like you had to go every week right. to be up to date on Fuck Club. Like it was like mm. a fucking like days of our lives or something. Yeah, to know the catchphrases <laughs> and the, the characters, and who the new characters were and stuff. Who Rodney was playing that week, who <laughs> yeah. Ash Van Dam was playing that week. It was very cool. How are you going with, um, with a lack of gigs at the moment, Will? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I okay. <laughs> He's uh, that is an interesting question to me. <laughs> you just made him spiral, Cam. Well, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. So it's been one of the you're, like you've asked a question that like is going around in my mind mm. a lot, and I'm having really conflicted emotions between trying to work out what I actually feel and what I think I should feel okay because what I think I should feel is because I've been one of those people who's never really stopped like I love doing gigs and I've just like done so many in the last 25 Mm. years like this would have been my 25th year at the comedy festival in a row you know like I like I like doing stand-up but I say I like doing stand-up but I've never really done anything but do stand-up so I've been able to say I like doing this with no point of comparison of me Mm. doing anything else to see (laughs) what it was like and now that I'm doing something else, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever do it again. <laughs> it's so nice not to be a stand-up comedian. I am so fucking relaxed. Like, I like my moods are really steady. I judge myself based on the what I'm like as a human being rather than the judgment of a complete bunch mm. of fucking strangers mm. night by night. Like, I feel the best I have felt in about ten fucking years. Wow. Like. I am so happy. I'm so relaxed. I'm like caught up on all my favorite shows. I'm reading more books. Mm-hmm. I've been cooking. I fucking hate stand up. The idea that I have to fucking come up with like more ideas and what get up there and say them to people and no, ugh, gross. So, so I don't know if that answers your question, Cam. But no, no, it totally relatable. Yeah, totally relatable. And I haven't even been doing it 25 years. <laughs> I think I'm only like 10 years now and I'm already like, you know what? I might just take a year off every couple of years. It's Mm. pretty nice. And just doing podcasts, you get the same... uh, Same thrill. Feeling. You're still riffing and improvising and Mm. trying to get a laugh. So it's kind of the same thing, except you don't have to leave your house. It's more fun. Yeah. Because you get to make up a brand new show every night every time like the, the other way I spend six months of my fucking year worrying about something to see if it'll be any good and then mm. like six months doing it and then once I've done it I have to come up with the fucking next thing that I'm gonna do it's like I've loved it no fucking doubt I love it and mm. part of this I hope is me just having fun with this but I'm not sure mm. because I really think that I'm a better person, like a healthier, happier person without it. And so what I'm doing is announcing my retirement from stand-up comedy. Hannah Gadsby, I'm doing the Gadsby. Wow. This is why we are the... I'm calling it. (laughs) This is why we are the Woodward and Bernstein of Australian podcasters. We were able to get the scoop and people didn't even know that we were gunning for it. But we knew. We've been needling away at you for the last... 45 minutes knowing that we were this is the sequel yeah this is all the president's minutes right now baby and we got it (laughs) no what I think is honestly that when I go back to it when I go back to doing whatever it is that I'm going to do that my ambitions for it will probably be very different like you know I think that I will be wanting to do things (laughs) that just I think are really fun as opposed to things that I Whatever else. I don't yeah. know whatever else oh, I was dude. doing. But You're coming for... Watch out, Webby. He's coming for your record, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to break it 50 hours on stage. Yeah. Have to sit I'm not going to do stand-up for 25 years and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do all the shows because I'll, I'll keep writing shows. So for 25 <laughs> years, I write a comedy you. festival show, but I don't perform them. And then after 25 Thank years, I come back and I do 25 years of comedy festival shows in a row. Oh. That's it. That's the plan. And you win the world record uh, for uh, the most stupid fucking idea ever of all time <laughs> lowest ticket sales <laughs> I, no have, see that shit. I, I have the 25 years of barry winners oh, in yeah. that time yeah. they all have to come and sit on the side and i have the barry judges and oh, show yeah. by show they decide whether my show is better than the show that won and if so my show is better the barry winner show. has their hand over the barry <laughs> But you know what, Will? It's cool that you say that because I've been um, like starting back up again because mm. rooms are starting back up again in Sydney. 
And everyone seems to have that attitude. All the comics that are around sort of my level have that exact attitude of it feels really good to have had the time off. It also feels really good to know that you're not working towards a new hour right mm. now. So you can just do whatever you want. You can experiment. Mm. You can just work with ideas that you think are funny that probably aren't show ideas or whatever. And it honestly feels very free right now. Doing the store last weekend was like, and everyone killed and everyone was just wow. doing whatever they wanted. Old stuff, brand new stuff. It was very cool. So I'm trying to encourage you to come back. So if you could announce your no, no. retirement and we get two scoops. We're going to break them here tonight, dude. we got to get two scoops. We want a big thick shake, okay? And you need two scoops to make a thick shake. I watched Dave Chappelle talk to David Letterman mm. on his show last night. And that was the first time that I had felt... When I was watching the comedy store thing, it didn't actually... It kind of reminded me a bit of like in America and I'm glad that I'm not there at the moment yeah. and not having to do that either. And so it was still a bit, you know, like there was a tenseness to watching it. But watching Chappelle talk to Letterman, mm. like because like, that kind of inspired me a bit. What da yeah. Like what Dave Chappelle... What, what I'm saying is I'm going to do a, stuff, a lot of stuff about racism. Particularly <laughs> yeah, yeah, Subjugation of black Americans. That's my new pivot. <laughs> wow. That's three scoops, yeah. baby. We got it. Yeah, I'm coming back with a lot of George George Floyd material. It's going to be great, guys. <laughs> so Finally, a white guy's going to talk about it. Wow. So bold, so brave, and so funny. The stuff was funny. It was undeniable. Um, so, you, so you're enjoying it, Cam, then? Like, so yeah. It's, it's just fun yeah. to have no pressure and knowing that there's probably not going to be many festivals next year. Mm. So... And everyone's had the same amount of time off. Yeah. So everyone's kind of back to square one. I like the community element of that. Is that yeah. part of it too? It like is part of why we can relax about it is we don't feel like other people are getting ahead. <laughs> like we can take the time off. Yeah. You can take the time off every year. Yeah. But the thing that you've got at the back of your mind is if I take a fucking year off, somebody else is like going to sneak in and get ahead <laughs> in that time. Yeah, yeah. And. This is good because everybody had to have the time off. Should we legislate that? Should we all just agree? We only do the comedy festival every second year, but Dude. no one's allowed to cheat. You, you're the one to lead the charge on this. Yeah. And I've been saying this right. for a long time. First of all, it's my legacy. I think every you have to take every second year off. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to do, if you want to do it every year, every second year you have to be in a sketch show or a, or a play that, a play that Greg oh, yeah. Fleet wrote. Um, yes. And the other idea is, yes. well, I think there needs to be a panel of comedians. Mm -hmm. You can be on the panel, and every year people have to apply yes. to be a comedian, like you would your driver's license. Not just the festival. This is a year long. This a year is a long lifetime. comedian, and they have to come. So we would have to come to you and go, "Hey, we do stand up mm -hmm. in Sydney. We do podcasts." Yeah. And then do a set for you and you have to say, yeah, you can perform again this year or no, I'm sorry, you're not going through this year. Or offer an addendum like, listen, you've got six months to prove yourself. And if you're not fucking getting those lasts, if you're not going up there limo style doing 520, <laughs> you're out, butter. Okay, here's what my question is about this. Mm. Is who else is on the panel? Uh, mm. if, if, if I'm going to take a seat on this panel, 
because here's the thing. I mm-hmm. like I I like that it's an open. I, I I'm not I'm not so. You know, I like all comedians, yeah. like in their own different ways. And I like that it's a thing that everybody can do. But if I'm doing it for the sake of the industry, if we only have mm-hmm. limited spaces at gigs for the next couple of years and we have to just like, you know, pick a hundred comedians and they're mm-hmm. the hundred comedians for that year. I'm on the committee if there are other people on the committee that I'm also like not going to argue with too much yeah. or it's not going to be an unpleasant experience. So who 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 else is on the committee to decide who gets to be a comedian? Right. <clears throat> okay. It's you and Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we fly him in. He gets flown in for this. <laughs> yeah. He gets and there's a Guinness World Records adjudicator. <laughs> <laughs> To make sure they're hitting some sort of record LPM. If they're like getting close, doing something like that, there's got to be an official adjudicator. Yeah, and uh, who else do we want on there? We got the Kranskys. Yeah, all three Kranskys. All three three Kranskys. (laughs) I mean, they're iconic. They got to be there. Uh, How many more people do you need? That's a a pretty solid panel. That's a lot of people. That's like six people. That's a pretty solid panel. Hang on. It's me. Seinfeld, yeah, <laughs> the Kranskys, yeah, all three. Who else was it? Uh, uh, Guinness World Record, World Record <laughs> <you think>? oh. <laughs> different one every year, though. Different one every year. Yeah. Okay. And, that's, right. and you guys decide who performs comedy. The hundred people that perform <laughs> comedy. Hundred Australian comedians, and you get to disperse them around Australia. You choose what city they live in. Oh, you so choose where like, they're going. It's like moving priests around or something. Like, yep, yeah, you can stay, but well, we are sending you to the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. you got to go to the Gold Coast right. for a few years. You're being banished. I mean, I actually don't mind that because that allows us to have more than 100, right? You can have mm-hmm. like, you know, a top 50 or whatever who can work everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then you can have some sort of regionals where you're just like, look, you haven't made the cut for Sydney, but you can probably play Newcastle. Or yeah. you haven't made the cut for Newcastle, but you can probably play. You know what I mean? You'd like gradually yeah. would go down the runs. We've got like six comedians in Coffs Harbour right now and they are right. working their way right. back up to nationals. Mate, I was in Lismore the other day and there was like an open mic night that had 11 people on the poster. Wow. Eleven. God. God. <laughs> I couldn't name eleven, 11. stand-ups like, right now. <laughs> you know I what I loved about that was? Lismore Not hits. only... Like, well, eleven stand-ups in Lismore or the Lismore area, mm. I guess, right? Mm. None of them names that I recognise, so better get them on a poster. Better get 11 <laughs> of those hot names on a poster to get people in. Yeah, one, well, of them, like, that's, one of them it's was Mikey Millios. <laughs> What I would say is it's worse to put those names on a poster because when I see 11 names I don't mm. know, I go, that's not for me. Whereas if there was no names or just one name, yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know about the other people you don't know. But So there's got to be 11 comics in the Lismore area. So, like, mm. yeah, we could easily have, like, 300 working comics at various levels. Yeah, but it could be, like, you recognise their name, but, like, it's your butcher. And you're like, oh, go watch my butcher do some yucks up on stage. <laughs> In, in, in Lismore, I'm sure you'd know all 11 people interested in comedy if you were, like, watching comedy there. 
<laughs> They're probably your mates. I mean, I was tempted to go to the gig. Mm. Like, I was really tempted to go to the show. But then I was like, is that weird? Like, is that... You would like, have blown their minds. Like, I, I don't want to... You know, you know, Will doesn't want to do comedy anymore, but I did see him at a Lismore open <laughs> mic night watching Lismore 11 comedians. He flew into Lismore to do a drop-in <laughs> set. It was the only stage time available. <laughs> and he freaking bombed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Our greengrocer crushed the greengrocer that was MC crushed it. Dude. I mean, he, he Will Anderson bombed between the veterinarian and the butcher. <laughs> You've oh, got to man. get back up then. Um, no, 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 I'm having a break. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a break. Mm, all right. I am. I'm actually. I think I am. I really, genuinely think I am having a break. I think that like I've had my little COVID break and I like mm. it. Maybe I could just stop stop doing stand up for a while. I did it for twenty five years, mm. more than half of my life, man. Like that's enough, surely. We just got Will Anderson's age. That's another scoop, dude. We got an estimate of his age. <laughs> <laughs> that's a scoop, baby. But you know what else? I, I've seen you do those improv shows that you mm. do, Will. You could just do those. You don't have to write ideas. You just get up there and go, hey, what's your name? Tim? More like... <laughs> more like, fuck you, more dude. More like, fuck you, dipshit. <laughs> Kiss my ass and touch my penis. You suck, dude. Dude, improv shows, man. Yeah, exactly. I made that up just then on the spot. Like, you know, anyone can do it. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe I do come back dice style. Yes. Just all like, just do the occasional gig, but it's just three hours of really horrible crowd work. <laughs> just pop in and ruin some of those nights oh, man, in the if store. You rebranded it like, this, this stage of your life as an insult comic, an insult improv comic. Like, from Lismore, nonetheless. What's your name? A Lismore insult comic. <laughs> He's going to Lismore once a year and make fun of Lismore. Come on, dude. That is something special. Mate, I can't do that. That's ostentatious as good. So I... (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. Because I do love that idea of like I mean, that's part of the thing I love about Chappelle is the you know it was at the peak of his TV show and he mm. walks away from it mm. all and then he goes away for a while and then he reemerges doing these you know drop in three hour sets and you know kind of gradually finds his way back. There's something quite cool about that. I do like the idea of like um, who's the actor the uh, Daniel Day Lewis oh, who like yeah. went yeah. and be- became a professional cobbler in between movies. I-, I won an Oscar now. I'm going to go and learn how to be a cobbler. Mm. Like there is part of me that would love the idea of just going away and doing some other job yeah. for like seven years. Like what job? Just like I don't know what that job is. So I'm happy for you guys to nominate what that job is. If I was just going to go and get like another job, but people are like, Dude, what happened to Will Anderson? Oh, you know he does this now. What would that be? Well, you, you're trained in journalism, right? You could always yeah. go back home or go to any regional town and just work for the paper and be yeah. a sports journalist and just Todd be, Noy style. Yeah, be Todd Noy, be Ray right. Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond, yeah. and just go to the local footy games and write them up. I mean, yeah. I could see you doing that. 
I actually could see Melbourne. Absolutely. That's not bad. It's not actually. bad. In like a nice beach town, a surf beach town. Yeah, man. Get the salt in your hair and the breeze upon your eyes. That's like the a classic saying that you would write down. I mean, maybe, 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 maybe the occasional hot editorial yeah, take on the editorial pages. Not like a regular thing, but just sometimes I'd have yeah. a bee in my bonnet that I would have to get off of my chest. Yeah, mostly you're reporting on like the local AFL yeah. team, but then every now and then it's like. Will thinks, and it's like you, your article about what you think, what you think about Trump or something. Yeah. And everyone's like, why does he write these? Yeah. <laughs> but they love it. They're like, wow, this guy's a kook. I mean, we're basically writing you into an episode of Sea Change as we go on about this. You're a new character in Sea Change. It'll be incredible. I always think it would be really do, nice do you- to move to a country town and yeah. just become the funny guy in town yeah i think that would be amazing just to be at the butcher just riffing riffing with people oh god to riff with a butcher that'd be incredible and maybe do a bit of theater every year be part of like the theater show yes and be the funny guy and they're like you're really talented you should go move to the city and do comedy and i go no 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 everyone would think you're a witness protection or something (laughs) 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 no no i tried that once not for me Ever heard of fuck club? Bro, I like that. Like, I mean, that idea of that idea of being a big fish in a really small yeah. pond mm. is there is something quite appealing about that. Or being, I, I think that my one would really be, I would love to be an enigmatic loner. Mm. I think that really fits yeah. my personality. Like, I would happily just get some like place somewhere and barely ever be heard from again. Yeah, and, like just kind of shuffle shuffle into town not really know anybody oh, you know man. get all my supplies for the month shuffle shuffle back up <laughs> to the mountains you could be like the JD Salinger of comedy and you just every every now and then you submit a joke for Peter Hellier to do on the project wow. And then when he shows it's yours, he smokes a fake little joint. <laughs> That's how you know that he's just read, yeah, he's he's read like, out a wow, will joke. That was an Anderson. He did an Anderson tonight. Just sitting up in the mountains in my cabin, occasionally sending Hellier a one-liner for the project. Yeah, That's faxing it. it in. <laughs> Oh, he still got it. Yeah, he still, still got, got it. it. Still the king. Oh, that's great. But that see that is there's a simplicity to that life yeah. that I find appealing when you say it. Like the, as much as that like is a joke, there's another part of my brain going, no, no, no that would be that would be heaps. Yeah. You'd still be, you know, using your creative side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to figure out how the fax machine works. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you had some fantasy dropout life, what would it be, gentlemen? What would yours be? Oh, I the country town, like a little beach town thing. Like I used to go to this beach town up in uh, northern New South Wales, uh, up the north coast, past Grafton and Coffs Harbour, called Woolai, and it was just like they had one Chinese restaurant at the RSL. They had a co-op, a pizza shop, and a DVD store that was part of the co-op which is also part of the pizza shop one petrol station we used to go there like every summer and i'm like i would love to just go back there and i don't know become a chef or something i don't know like Mm. something like that would be so nice like to just like you know live there and you know if you just made your whole life there you can walk from one end to the other and like i don't know how to drive so that suits me someone just gives me a lift there 
I would be okay. And then I would just like never be able to leave. <laughs> I would just be trapped there. They don't have Ubers. So I'd just be like walking around. That does sound nice. Yeah. I get that. Where I, near, near where I live now, I live up, up in the hills in rural New South Wales. Mm. And like it is country. It's like, you know, a little farm property. Yeah. And the nearest town only has 600 people. And it is, has like one of those shops. It's like the everything shop. Yeah. And then there's like mm-hmm. a coffee shop and there's a, like a restaurant, but it's not very big at all. And there's like a, about eight people who work in that shop, you know, yeah. and they're just kind of all locals who just work in the shop at different times. I reckon I could work in that shop. Yeah. I think I'd be quite happy with that. Big time. Just like <laughs> a really nice life. My sights. <laughs> yeah. I'll just rent out all my DVDs. That's what we might think. I'll turn everyone into a cinephile in this tiny little town. Just go like, you got to check this one out. It's called Spy Who Shagged Me. It'll blow your freaking mind, dude. See, I reckon you'd be great at that. Like, if I lived in some country town and you had this, like, old school DVD shop where, like, the whole thing was that you got to go in and this guy will tell you mm. why you should be watching this DVD. I feel like that's a thing that people would like. Yeah, and they probably would have shit-ass internet, so they'd have to use the DVD store. Yeah. <laughs> I could just charge astronomical prices. They'd just become a millionaire in this tiny little town. I think I took yeah, the wrong lesson. Yeah, you've got to move to the place that the has the, shitty, the shittiest internet. That's what you've got to, you've yeah. got to find. In fact... You should come up my way because there's a lot of 5G protests wow. and people really don't like those towers. I'm leading so the, I'm the, leading right the protests as the DVD store owner. <laughs> like, yeah, it sucks. No streaming. I don't want two HD pictures going to the same house. You can't run that. 720p only, but we got 1080 at the video store. Okay, I know what I'd do in the country town. I would um, just be a, a covers musician at the pub. Oh, I would love that. that. I did that when I was younger in Mm. Newcastle and it was just Sunday sessions. So every Sunday I come in and I do like a three hour set Mm. in the beer garden. Of Iris all night long. Acoustic guitar. And I start off really (laughs) soft, a lot of Paul Kelly and stuff. Mm. And then at around six o'clock when people start getting a little bit tipsier, I bring out Brown Eyed Girl and steal my kisses and stuff. And I go all night and I take requests. and. And I get to do jokes between them. Will sends me jokes. And I do those on stage. I'm writing for two people. Two people. Peter Alia on the project. And a bit of banter for the dude who's doing the Sunday sessions. Weirdly, it's the same topical joke that you just sent to the two numbers. Just whoever uses it first. Helia yeah. has first crack on a Thursday night. But if it's still around by Sunday, it's yours. <laughs> I would kind of love that. Yeah. You would thrive. I think I would thrive. You'd be like a little Billy Joel up there. Yeah. And people... (laughs) I think it would be be sick. Sunday session, very chill. Mm -hmm. And then I also would do maybe like a Wednesday, Thursday night with a a (gasps) a two-piece band. A two-piece, wow. So I've got a little drummer and then a guy on bass. A little drummer, but the guy on bass, he's massive. (laughs) He's huge. (laughs) He's the biggest guy (laughs) down. And we do yeah, an actual little drummer, like the little drummer <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, I get the little drummer boy. So yeah, little drummer boy, little matchstick girl. She's there too. Yeah, all our favorite characters come Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, being a dad band, that'd be fun. Um, the Sunday session singer, like, it's one of those things that there's a certain age. Where they're as famous as anyone that you've ever met. Oh my god! Like they yeah. do have an actual rock star 
quality to yes. them. Like I remember like being sort of 17, 18, 19, the first time you started going to pubs and you would go to like some, you know, out the back of the pub, some Sunday session and they were like proper rock stars. Dude, dude yeah. yeah. So there was a guy in Newcastle, he's a really good friend of mine. His name's Wellsy. And everyone in Newcastle knows him. Wow. He's this, he's that guy. He's the Sunday sesh. He's got long hair. He'll do... He can do any song on an acoustic. And if, if I go back home... Could he do Piano Man? Man, he could do Piano Man on the guitar. <laughs> wow. That is a huge talent. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows him as Wellsy. <laughs> and people will be like, all right, we're going to the pub. Wellsy's on. And stuff wow. like that. They just know him. And that's pretty fucking awesome. That's awesome. Just to be Wellsy. Wow. Yeah. Well, you don't, you don't need more than that. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that That's actually enough. You could just be the local Wellsy. Maybe that's what I'm going to be, Wellsy. Wellsy. <laughs> I'm going to change it to Wellsy. <laughs> I'm just going to be, I'm going to bring, I'm going to just do Sunday session comedy. Wow. So it's just going to be me in the corner, <laughs> mm-hmm. cover, covers only. Covers so only. So me only doing like other famous comedians. Doing Chris Rock. And wow, covers. he's reading Lenny yeah. Bruce's court documents tonight. It's incredible. <laughs> Carl Barron, just uh. like... Why is no Start one doing that? Stuff. There's a market for that. <laughs> exactly. Just doing Carl Barron night, that would be awesome. If you could franchise yeah. out. I mean, maybe Wednesdays and Thursdays I get in, you know, maybe like a couple of other people. I do some Leno and Woodley. Oh, yeah. I do That'd some group awesome. stuff, you know what I mean? Because but, you're doing covers, yeah. I could imagine you'd, you'd hit that point in the set around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, where you'd be like, all right, I'm going to do an original now. And that's when everyone goes to the bar or yeah. Yeah. fucks off to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Hey. I do eight minutes of climate change observations. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> Everyone's like, hang on, is this a Tom Bellard bit or is this his own bit? <laughs> is he stomping the mic stands? <laughs> That's a uh, big cut. I love the idea of um, covers comedy, though. Like, if I, I would actually go and see somebody, like, if they just did, here are the best bits. Mm. I went to see actually Steve Martin and um, and Martin Short yeah. when they did their show, and they do a thing at the end where they just read out funny one-liners from famous comedians. Like they come up on the screen oh, and they go, "Here's awesome. this joke by Chris Rock that we really like." So it kind of Fuck. was like that. Wow! <laughs> but I would. Shit. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> only right? those two guys could get away with yeah, it. Yeah, they're the only two that could get away with it. That's insane. Yeah, just like literally people's one-liners and then would just it was the it was the equivalent of Steve Martin going, "Here's a funny one." Uh, and it would come up on screen and it'd be like, uh, bought a packet of steaks alive the other day and they're all dead. Dave <laughs> Hughes, great joke. Like, Got that one back was... for the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Actually, there is a one-liner that I always quote whenever people say, like, what's your favourite joke? If that ever comes up. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes... Cab driver you, finds out you're a comedian. Yeah, or you're promoting a fringe festival show. And yeah. You have to do local radio, and they go, what's your favourite joke? And the one I always can never say on radio, but I reckon is one that I would quote, is one from this Adelaide comic called Steve Sheehan. Mm. And the joke was, um, I had sex with a pedophile the other day. Um, actually, no, it was a long time ago now. <laughs> Man, that is... He's in the Babadook, Steve Sheehan. Is he? Yeah, he's in the Babadook. I think it's scary. He plays what? a magician Babadook. on TV. He does too, yeah. yes. Yeah, I love that guy. That's a great bit. I would love to hear Martin Short read it out. Yeah. Oh, Martin Short, I'm hearing him say it in my head. 
phenomenal. <laughs> the guy just crushed. The guy just crushed in the nether realm of my mind. I mean, it would have been good if they had broadened it out a little bit. Like if Martin Short was up there on stage going, as Andrew Dice Clay famously said, little boy blue, he needed the money. Bravo, Dice. Bravo. That's a pretty solid one too, I will say. That is pretty solid. Um, I, okay, well, we probably should uh, finish up because, you know, it's late at night. But your new yeah. show is called? called Finding Desperado. Mm. <clears throat> and as we started saying about an hour ago, um, it's about Alexi and I trying to get to the bottom of this Guinness World Record that we believe is fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And it is a deep investigation. I've been saying it's it's like a true crime podcast, but for the lowest stakes crime imaginable. Which and it's is, not even a crime. And it's, it's not just, even really a crime. You it's, just fucked over Guinness, no. and who cares? They stink. We fucking hate Guinness. We want that on the record. Yeah, we want that on the record. You'll catch us pouring out a pint of the stuff any day now. <laughs> We're going to do it. Well, that's not a really a good protest, though, because you've like still mm. purchased... You should go yes. into like a damn Murphy's or whatever and like, <laughs> you know, like pour out the Guinness or something. something. <laughs> yeah, just go, listen, I heard it's contaminated. <laughs> heard it's contaminated. You can't sell it. Uh, that comes out very soon. October yeah. 30, that's out. So I don't know when this podcast will be up, but it's probably out. This will out come out. Now. Well, yes, it'll, no, it'll, it'll be out in a few days. So, all right, cool. And it's kind of like this new one. It's even weirder than Finding Drago. It takes us all around the world. We go to the like slicked rainy streets of Amsterdam. We go to the beautiful island in the sun of Ibiza. We go everywhere. We go to the hallowed halls of the Guinness World Records while not leaving from beneath the flight path of Marrickville. We basically made this podcast... Because of the this weird thing that's going on around at the moment, I don't I don't know if people know about this, mm. but there was this pandemic going on, what? and we were pandemic. not allowed. <laughs> you know, your words, not mine, brother. Um, and we were not scandemic, allowed into the ABC right? at all. It felt like a scamdemic to us. They yeah. wouldn't let us into the <laughs> ABC. So we made this in a fucking shipping container in Marrickville, underneath the flight path. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. This was recorded in a bin and it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it's a million a bucks. Million freaking buckaroonies. But if you were there with us, you would see that we were working in very dire circumstances to make this podcast. Yeah. And that's the only reason people should listen to it. Because <laughs> we worked so hard on it. <laughs> Not because we think it's good. We do think it's good. But listen to us because we put our blood, sweat and bones into it. Mm. Like, I've been guilty tears. of that. I've been guilty of that so many times, but it is my favorite thing when somebody else does it. Is like the reason <laughs> yeah. you should listen to this is I tried really hard to make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real really hard to make it. I Therefore, worked so hard, please. It. I really tried this year. <laughs> <laughs> I have a through line and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Still I think... only got two stars. <laughs> Still better didn't like it. <laughs> We did try though, I think. People should yeah. people should listen because it's fun. I think it's really funny and I think it's like very weird and strange and it kind of like is like a love letter to uh like the early bursts of creativity that you have of like honoring those like first moments of creativity and uh like in your lifetime as a child and stuff and also like 
honoring weird <laughs> 90s thriller movies is kind of what we were going for this time whereas like originally in Finding Drago the aesthetic was like 80s power rock uh, Rocky Balboa that kind of like inspirational stuff this time we're like really going for like a Silence of the Lambs yeah kind of Manhunter talented Mr. Ripley vibe with this one it's more of a I like this so you, this is you know it's not like you have to have heard the first series to understand the second series it, this is no. You're far going it, you know. They're completely yeah. far going it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Thank you it's, for it's saying good. that. Yeah, that's thank exactly you so what much. we're doing. We're far going it. <laughs> we and I'm going to steal that for future promotional. Yeah. This is a Fargo style podcast, baby. We go from town to town. Similar characters. Some 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 of the same characters, but entirely new mystery, baby. Mm. Uh, thank you very much for doing this, Cam, Alexi. It was a, a great pleasure to speak to you both. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best of luck with it. It's going to be fantastic, I imagine. Thanks thank for having so us, much. man. Thank you so Our much. Pleasure. And we'll see you in Lismore. <laughs> <laughs>